morning. It's good to worship with you this morning, pray with you this morning, just be with you this morning. Um, as Meg said, we, we were gone um, this last few days, and uh, it's nice to be back home. Um, Cincinnati is now home. Uh, I've only been here seven months, but it feels good to be home with you this morning. So thank you for making me feel at home. Uh, do you guys know, if, if, I use the, if I use the phrase performative generosity, does that mean anything to you? Do, does, do you have an idea forming in your head if I just use those words? Like, uh, there, was a, there was a news article I saw yesterday or, or the day before that, um, that some of the royals delivered pizzas to a hospital, uh, which was lovely. I, I saw the, the article, there's you know, a picture of them holding pizza boxes, and it's like, oh, that's funny, royals with pizza. Um, and, and I went, oh, that, that's very nice. And the more I thought about it, I went, why? Uh, it, it was just, it felt very kind of photo opish to me. And, and that happens. Um, politicians show up at a disaster area to, to help out, but it's really just a photo op, isn't it? Or, or, or we may, people may serve in their communities, but it's, it's really because they have to do community service. Or, or, um, or corporations may give back to their communities, but it's for tax write-offs. Or, or millionaires donate millions to their own charities named after themselves. <laughs> or, or billionaires uh, give what appear to be vast sums of money, but, but really only, it, it's like pennies to them when you do the math. And every now and again, like, you, you see acts of generosity in the world, and you're just kind of struck, like, that's very performative. And I wonder sometimes if our acts of generosity are any better. Uh, we're in a new series. Uh, we're, we're taking a look at uh, the life of Jesus and the Gospel of Luke. Uh, Katie kicked us off last week very beautifully. Thank you, Katie, for that introduction to our series. Um, and, and we are um, inviting you, if you have not already uh, been aware of this, we want to invite you into reading uh, the Gospel of Luke with us over the next uh, several weeks, about 11 weeks or so. There's a green piece of paper out on the welcome table, if you don't already have one, that has reading plans for the Gospel of Luke. You can either, you can either read um, three times through the Gospel of Luke, if you're very ambitious, or one time through the Gospel of Luke. And if you didn't start last week, that's not a problem. There are makeup days built in to the reading plan, so go ahead and grab one of those and, and feel free to to read through Luke several times and get a sense of what Jesus is doing. Uh, because we cannot hit the whole gospel, uh, we can only hit a few highlights from it over the, the next few weeks. Um, and, and so we want to invite you to, to take a dive into the gospel of Luke with us as we examine the life of Jesus and through him um, hope to find a way to be um, more human, a way to be more whole people um, in the same way that he is. Uh, um, uh, we believe that Jesus wants to make us whole as both as individuals and as communities. And, and so that's what we want to do over the next 12 weeks is kind of look at, at, at how Jesus is making us whole through the lens of, of this gospel. And specifically today, we, through the lens of uh, the idea of generosity and hospitality. 
Uh, Katie last week shared a story with us in Luke uh, of the bent over woman that is a unique story to Luke. It's the only gospel that that story shows up in. Today's story is also a unique story to the gospel of Luke. It's in Luke chapter 14. Uh, If you've got a Bible or you want to turn there, feel free. It'll be up on the wall behind me as well. Um, But in Luke chapter 14, most of this chapter, at least the first two-thirds of the chapter, uh, or three-quarters of the chapter, are all unique to the Gospel of Luke. It's a very unique setting where Jesus is at a dinner party. Jesus likes dinner parties. Jesus goes to dinner parties a lot in the Gospel. We don't often find out what happens at those parties, but in Luke 14 we do, and it's a doozy of a party. I mean, there is, there's theological discourse. There's parables. People get upset with each other. That's a party. And in the middle of this party, Jesus has some words for the host of the party. It's at the house of a prominent Pharisee, a leader of the Pharisees. Uh, That's not super unusual in Luke. Jesus eats with the Pharisees at least three times in the Gospel of Luke. Um, The Pharisees and Jesus are not, not enemies in the Gospel of Luke. We often think of the Pharisees as the bad guys of the Gospel. Get rid of that idea. That's not really a thing. Um, they, they are God followers, uh, and Jesus is a God follower as well. They're trying to follow God together, and Jesus just kind of has a, a different idea about how to follow God than the Pharisees do. And so as they're together in this dinner, Jesus begins to speak to the host uh, of, this, of this dinner party, uh, and here's what he says. This is Luke 14, verses 12 through 14. Um, He said also to the one who had invited him, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors in case they may invite you in return and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. There's the dinner party. That's, that's good dinner party conversation. I, I don't want to go as far as to say Jesus is being rude, but... Uh, no, so Jesus has these very strong words uh, for the host of the dinner party and for those who are assembled, who are listening, Uh, where he talks about what generosity and hospitality really ought to look like. And and before we we go on to what Jesus is saying, let me just take a second and, and let's talk about what Jesus is not saying. Jesus is not saying that we cannot invite friends for a meal. All right? This is not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is not saying, don't ever eat with your friends. All right? Uh, That is not what Jesus is saying. Jesus invites, in fact, one of the things that the Gospel of John records, after his resurrection, Jesus invites his friends to breakfast with him. All right? So Jesus invites people to meals uh, that he knows and loves and cares about. So uh, that's not what we're talking about. We're not saying that we cannot give to each other, uh, invite each other over, make space in our lives for each other, care for each other. Uh, We absolutely can do that, and we absolutely should do that, and we absolutely do do that here in this community, and uh, that is natural, and that is a regular part of life in the body, and I'm grateful for that. 
But Jesus is saying that there is a hospitality, a generosity that goes beyond regular. A generosity and a hospitality that is radical. A hospitality that cannot be repaid or returned. And that radical hospitality, according to Jesus in our story as he speaks to this leader of the Pharisees, that radical hospitality honors those that are usually dishonored, right? Jesus uh, says that, that when, you, when you throw a party, when you throw a banquet, when you invite people, when you want to extend hospitality, extend it to these sorts of people. Extend it to the forgotten, to the marginalized, to the overlooked, to those in society who are so often left out, discarded, or pushed to the margins. This is who should show up at your dinner parties when you want to practice radical hospitality. Uh, interestingly, at least interestingly to me, uh, this is not the only time in the Gospel of Luke where Jesus says something almost exactly like this. This is not a one-off teaching in the Gospel of Luke. Um, something very, very similar to this appears in Luke chapter 6. And I want to I want to flip over to Luke 6 for a second and take a look at that as well. Luke chapter 6 happens in what um, some scholars and pastors call the Sermon on the Plain. Uh, it's kind of Luke's version of Matthew's Sermon on the Mount. Uh, it's, it's kind of abbreviated and, and crunched down a, a little bit. Uh, and in Luke chapter 6, we find these words. These are not unique to Luke. These also show up in Matthew. But in Luke 6, verses 32 through 35, uh, Jesus speaks something very, very similar to the leader of the Pharisee, except he speaks it to all of us. He speaks it to every person that can hear him. And he says this. He says, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies. Do good and lend expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High for he is kind to the ungrateful and to the wicked. Same message in two different places. Why are you giving? Why are you generous? Why are you hospitable to those who can repay you? Instead, shouldn't we be generous and hospitable and loving to those who cannot repay, Jesus says. Whether it's through the lens of hospitality or the lens of generosity, Jesus is looking to show us a way to be more generous than we naturally are. Our natural inclination is to be generous to those who are most like us, to who are kind of in the, the same social circles and the same social strata that we are. We, we know kind of intuitively how to be generous in that regard. We, we just, we kind of, 
we kind of share with other people the things that we like to have shared with us. That's kind of how we do that, right? You know, we, 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 we give our, our, our brother or sister a Christmas present, and we get one back, and it's, it's something we, in both cases, we could have very easily bought for ourselves, right? <laughs> like, oh, thank you for this movie that, that I would have gone out to Best Buy and, and gotten myself. But I have wrapped it and given it to you, therefore I am generous. Uh, so we have, this, we have this sense of, of giving to each other at the same level that we live at. A, a, re, a very regular kind of generosity, I think. The problem is that regular generosity, as, as good as it is, as natural as it is, as normal as it is to be generous to those who are like us and who share the same social spaces that we do, as good as that is, regular generosity ends up perpetuating hierarchical, divided communities. Regular generosity ends up perpetuating hierarchical, divided communities. I, I had someone, um, I, I had lunch with someone in the church uh, a, about a week ago, and um, it was nice. We, we had a great lunch, found, found a little taco place, um, and uh, as we were wrapping up lunch, I realized I needed to get to something that was time sensitive, and they had not brought the check yet. And so I was like, man, I really hope that they, they do that soon. And, and he said, don't worry about it. I've got this one. Very generous. And I replied, thank you so much. I'll get the next one. Very generous, assuming I remember to do that. But, but a very regular kind of generosity, right? You get this one, I'll get the next one. It's, it's, it's in the same kind of flats, social strata, in the same same level. Generosity among people who are like us and who we like. That kind of generosity is good, but it's not transformative. It maintains the status quo of our lives and the lives of those around us. That kind of generosity doesn't change anything. It's nice even good, it's normal, it's regular, but it doesn't change anything. If we want to be change agents in the world, and certainly Jesus was, right? Jesus comes into the world and, and he is an agent of change. He's transforming lives around him. And then he leaves this kind of, this kind of admonition for his disciples to go and do likewise. And to even, he says, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you're going to do even greater things than I have done. I was reminded of that this week at the conference, which is really kind of, kind of mind-boggling because we look at Jesus and go, oh, Jesus did all these amazing, great things. And then he says, you can do more than I can do. Oh, okay. You can, you can be an even greater change agent. You can, you can bring even more transformation to your communities than I have brought to mine, Jesus says. And so regular generosity is good, but it doesn't transform lives around us. It maintains the status quo. All it does is, is pass blessings back and forth among those who already have them. That's all we're really doing. It's not wrong. Don't hear me say that. It's not wrong to do that. It's, it's good for us to care for each other, to be with each other, to, to engage with each other, to show hospitality to each other. But that's all we're really doing. We're just, we're handing blessings back and forth. 
We're not being transformative. It maintains kindness in the church. It absolutely does, which is important. But it does not elevate the poor, heal the sick, welcome the stranger, soothe the suffering, care for the prisoner, or lift the downtrodden. That kind of generosity is fine, but all it does is maintain the status quo. However, Jesus says there is a radical generosity. There's a radical generosity that leads instead to equality and healed communities. Radical generosity and hospitality go beyond caring for those who are like us, beyond caring about those whom we like, to caring for those who cannot care for themselves, the unwanted, the unloved. I, I, I read a, a, an article recently about a, a church that has decided to, to do just this kind of thing by buying up medical debt and forgiving it. I love stories of churches that are doing these kinds of things and saying there are people who cannot for themselves, so we will for them. That is a radical kind of generosity. I am admittedly and ashamedly not good at that kind of generosity. I, I, I have a hard time being generous in that way. I need to do better. My dad is learning to do better. Um, he stopped giving us Christmas presents. <gasps> it was awful. Um, that's not true. We still get Christmas presents at, at Christmas time. Uh, me, my sister, my brother, and our spouses, every Christmas receive two things from my father. We receive a calendar because he hasn't figured out that they are in every cell phone. And we also receive a card saying that he has made a donation in our name to buy a goat or a heifer or a pig or some kind of animal for people who are in need in another place, in another land, in another country. That's our Christmas present every year. I, I have to tell you that the first time I opened that card, I went, really? It really kind of took me by surprise. And, he, and, and dad was just very patient with all of us because we were like, this was not normal for us, right? You're used to getting a present from your father and then all of a sudden you didn't. It went to somebody else. I mean, I don't know what I would have done with a goat, but you know. It went to somebody else. And, and we all just kind of looked at dad and we're like, okay, cool. And he just looked at us and said, we have enough. We have more than enough. And isn't that true? I've got, honestly, I've got so much stuff. When, when we moved to Cincinnati, we were finding things that we, I didn't know I had that. Do you have, you have places in your houses or apartments where you like, you stick the stuff that you just have and don't ever use? And then like three years later, you pull out and go, oh, I, I've got stuff. And yet, what do we, we still continue to accumulate stuff. We've got enough stuff, Right? Maybe, maybe we don't need to pass all of those blessings back and forth amongst ourselves. Maybe, maybe we have enough blessings. Maybe it's time to bless other people. Maybe it's time to bless those who the world chooses to ignore, who the world chooses to push aside, who the world chooses to marginalize. 
We need a radical kind of generosity. And, and whenever I've talked about this with others, inevitably someone will say, these words will come out of somebody's mouth. Yeah, I agree, but you don't have to let people abuse your generosity. And most of the time, when I've heard that, I've gone, okay. But the more I've thought about these two passages of Scripture, Luke 14 and Luke 16, the more I'm beginning to wonder if it's possible for someone to abuse radical generosity. I'm not sure it is. Radical generosity says, I am going to give no matter what. I'm going to give with everything I've got. I'm going to give to the point where it hurts. I'm going to give when it's inconvenient. I'm going to give without expectation of return. I'm going to give outside of my social circles. I'm not even sure it's, when you're giving like that, I'm not sure it's possible to abuse that generosity. Because you're already at the point of saying, I'm going to give and give and give and give and give. And if we would have that kind of mindset of generosity, maybe we could let go of the mindset of, well, they're just going to abuse what you give them. We need a radical kind of generosity. We need to, to give, even Jesus says in Luke 6, even to our enemies. In whatever capacity we can, I know that we cannot all do the same things. Some have more, and some have less, some have, have money, some have a house, some have a spare bed, some, have, some of you have two cents to rub together. That's fine. Jesus says those two cents can be a generous gift as well. In fact, he holds up a, a, a widow who gives her last two cents as the peak of generosity. So, so what would be generous for you may not be the same thing that would be generous for me. Maybe, maybe you have an extra vehicle. Maybe you are a two-car family. And, and so you say, you know what, I can, I can lend my second car to somebody whose car is broken down, and we can figure out how to get around with one car. Maybe you're a one-car family. So generosity for you might be, I, I can lend my one car to somebody, and I can figure out how to take the bus. Maybe generosity for you is, is I've got a spare room. Somebody can use it. Maybe generosity for you is I have a couch and I will use it and you can use my room. Generosity looks different depending on who we are and where we're at in life. But we still need a radical generosity because it leads to equity and it leads to healed communities. Katie, I appreciated so much last week when she talked about the healing of the bent-over woman, that that healing wasn't just for her, that it was for her whole synagogue. It restored her to, to the community, and it made the community more whole. That's what happens in radical generosity. Pastor Brett Younger talks about our own healing coming through generosity, because as we become generous, we begin to recognize the Imago Dei in other people, the image of God in those around us. As we become radically generous, we begin to recognize this is Christ. This is a person made in his image. This is a person he loves, that he died for. We need a radical kind of generosity that leads us to recognize the Imago Dei in others. And you may have noticed that Jesus, in both of these passages, as he talks about this kind of radical generosity and radical hospitality, that he also talks about reward. 
Uh, it's hard to miss, right? He says, when you give to those who can't repay you, there's a different kind of reward, right? In Luke chapter 14, he says that it's a blessing to be repaid at the resurrection. In Luke chapter 6, he just says it's a great reward. And we may ask ourselves, what is it? What is that reward? I'm, I'm curious, Jesus. Do I get a bigger crown? Do I get a better mansion in glory? Is my place clearly going to be closer to Peter's place? Better address in heaven? I, what's my reward, Jesus? But I think that, that Luke chapter 6 actually tells us what that reward is in advance. Right? That we will be children of the Most High. I think that's the reward. That we recognize that we are part of God's family and we are coming into deeper fellowship with him and with those that he loves, with those that we are being generous toward, we begin to recognize that they also are children of the Most High, that they are brothers and sisters of ours. And we move into fellowship and community with them. What a great reward to count ourselves as God's children, to count Others in humanity as God's children. And before we end, let me just issue a word of warning because we began by talking about performative generosity. Luke 6, I mentioned earlier, has a parallel in Matthew 5 in the Sermon on the Mount. This, this, this passage that's on the, the wall right now, this Luke 6 passage in Matthew, as soon as this passage ends, there is this Warning. It's Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. And it says this Beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them, for then you have no reward from your Father in heaven. When our generosity, when our hospitality is performative, we are not children of the Most High. Because His generosity and his hospitality are not performative. We need a radical generosity that is like the generosity of God. A lot of Christian generosity often ends up looking performative. It's good to highlight needs and opportunities to help. It's not as good to turn those into opportunities for likes on Instagram. Part of radical generosity, radical hospitality, is taking ourselves out of the equation and just blessing in the name of God. You and I have received a radical generosity. We have received a grace that we did not deserve, that we could not earn, and that we cannot repay. That is a radical generosity. Jesus reached to us and said, I will give to you everything that I have, even to the point of death, because I see in you the image of God, and I love you, and I want you to know that you too are part of the family of God. The only Son of God, I love this about Jesus, the only Son of God is no longer the only Son of God because he has invited us to be sons and daughters of God. What a radical hospitality. 
to involve us and include us in his family. So be radical. Go beyond regular. Keep up with the regular too, but go beyond. Be radical with your generosity and with your hospitality. Don't worry about somebody abusing it. Give so much and so hard that they couldn't abuse it if they tried. Be radical with your generosity. Sir, there are opportunities all around us. Some of them through, through this church, partnering with the Justice Group to do things at Hughes or, or partnering uh, with Cincinnati Gospel, see Doug Sanker, to get signed up for the next time to serve meal there. Get involved in, in ministry to UC. Find other ways. Many of you already have and, and already are, but find ways to be radical where you are with your generosity and your hospitality. May we be a radically generous people because we have received radical generosity. May it transform us and may it transform the community around us. And as we come to the table, as we, as we prepare ourselves for communion, I can't help but think that Jesus' words in Luke 14 apply here too. When Jesus spoke to the leader of the Pharisees, he said, when you throw a banquet, don't invite those who can invite you back. Invite those who can't. Isn't that exactly what happens at this table? Every time we come to the table, we remember that this banquet has been offered to us when we had nothing. When we were dead in our sins and in our transgressions, when we had no hope either in this life or the life after. And yet God invites us to the table. Radical hospitality. Right here. Set in the bread and set in the cup. You and I have been invited and welcomed when we did not deserve it. Even when we were the enemies of God. So bear that in mind as we come to the table. I want to invite you into a time of communion now. Um, we come and, and share together in uh, the bread and the cup, reminding ourselves of what we have received and of our call then to be generous, radically generous toward others. Uh, as is our custom, I'm going to invite you in a minute to come and receive bread and receive the cup and then take those back to your seats. And when everyone uh, has received um, We'll take those together. I also want to invite you, if you're here today, and you are in need of prayer, you're in need of someone to pray with you. Uh, we have some members of our prayer team um, that will love to pray with you and will meet you just on the other side of the folding door in rows if you would like to pray uh, with someone during this time of communion. As we do uh, each week, uh, we come into a communion with confession, knowing that, that we are not yet who we should be. That God is still forming and transforming us. And we still have work to do in the world that he has called us to. We have not been generous or hospitable uh, enough yet. There's still more that we can do. And so as we come into this time of hospitality, that enjoy the meal that, that God has prepared for us on the table that Jesus has set. And I want to invite you into this confession uh, together as a family. Would you join me standing if you're able and willing? As we confess before God, and then please uh, come and receive the elements of communion. Let's confess together. <clears throat>